You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I'm your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Pod- The Batman Book Club is a proud member, there we go, of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanonfilm.com, click on Podcast, and you'll find the Batman Podcast Network that has a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also like to dive into other nerdy subjects that all of us, including our favorite Italian, the man who bailed on the Alabama tide, Peter Arvera, love to frolic about. In our free time, Batman Book Club is also on Patreon. So if you like what's going on with the show and you want to help support the show, keep the generators running in the Wayne Manor study. Just go to patreon.com slash the Batman BC and join the others who have so graciously um, jumped in on that and helped support the show that way. And I want to, again, give a shout out to the latest patron, Mark Magaha. Uh, Thank you so much, sir for um, helping out the show. Everything goes right back into the show to help keep everything running. So much appreciated and thank you. Now also, thank you for listening to episode 184, Nosferatu. That's right. Here, we take a break around Christmas time and then we're right back to celebrating the Halloween season. We're on a very interesting comic book story, an Elseworlds Batman story, Nosferatu, but I'm not alone in talking about that. Joining me, Marking the first time that this gentleman has appeared on this show. I've talked to him for a bit. Actually, that old Italian, the frolicker, is the man who, you know, got us in touch with each other. Uh, He goes by one name. And he is from the north. And I don't mean Minnesota like Garrett Grev. I mean like the north in good old Canada. So he's a friendly chap. Uh, It's Reno. That's right. One name. Reno. Reno, welcome to the Batman Book Club. Greetings. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Oh, stop. <laughs> Look, um, I I know who's been previous guests, so uh I feel like I have some rather big shoes to fill in. <laughs> <laughs> Pete's shoes? Oh, there's plenty of room for for you to sit in those suckers. Um <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, for anybody that's like uh, active in the, you know, the Batman on film groups and the on Facebook and the straight out of Gotham group on Facebook and stuff, you've popped up in there and shared some conversations and um, some viewpoints and stuff for, uh, over the years. So and some people have even, um, I think, met you. So you're no stranger to these here parts. It's just a shame that it's taken so long for me to to get you on here. But I'm really glad that you're here. So welcome. And since, Reno, this is your first time on the show, I have to ask you, and I did give you this heads up, even though you've, you listened to the show, you knew it was coming. I have to ask you, what is your favorite Batman story? Uh, I had to think about that. Uh, it wasn't as easy to answer as I thought it would, but I have to give it <laughs> to you, the killing joke. Um, it's Ooh. not the best um batman story i think it's one of the greats uh but it's my favorite because i have quite uh an emotional attachment to it 
Uh, I've told that story many, many times, but I've never shared it on the air. So I will do it now. <gasps> um, Brace yourself, people. Yes, it, it's pretty wild. Okay. So as you have probably heard in the good year of 1989, a movie came out titled Batman. At that time, I was five-year-old. And uh, I really wanted to see the movie. I was obsessed with the Joker since uh, I'd say maybe 1988 when I first uh, saw the character played by Cesar Romero uh, during one of the reruns of Batman 66. And uh, from the promotional material for the new film, uh, my father thought that uh, the film was probably not appropriate for a five-year-old. So he Debatable. decided, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I got to watch it when it came out on VHS, like the year after, or maybe like six months later. I, I can't really recall, but I was still pretty young. But at the moment, he didn't want to take me to the cinema to watch this, uh, especially since around that time, uh, we had went to see Ghostbusters 2, and I had a pretty intense reaction to Vigo the Carpathian. So uh... he figured, if he takes me to Batman, I'm going <laughs> to freak out during the whole film. Uh, so he decided to try to make it up to me. So he went to the toy store and to a comic shop, and he came back with the Toy Biz action figure of the Joker and a copy of The Killing Joke, which <laughs> I'm assuming didn't browse the pages before oh, man. Um, giving it to a five-year-old. The policy uh, in my family was always, um, you can read whatever you can. Like There was no like censorship or stuff like that because sure. they want my parents wanted to stimulate the love of reading. So he showed up with that comic. Uh, did I understand everything that was going on? No, but I was captivated by the images, by uh, Brian Boland, the colors and everything. And for that reason, uh, even to this day, uh, it remains my favorite Batman story. That is fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> How long into it? Did you reveal to your dad some of the material in that comic book? Um, I believe I did. Um, when the Dark Knight came out, and I was trying to get him to read some Batman comics mm -hmm. because in his mind he was stuck with the iteration from '66 and the uh, comics of that era and he wasn't into it and i was trying to tell him because he's a comic reader but he he's mostly into the um, the franco-belgian comics such as tintin mm -hmm. uh, asterix stuff like that sure um so i was trying to get him to look at the batman comics so at one point i i brought the killing joke and i told him you, you gave that to me when i was a kid obviously it wasn't the same copy is uh, I think a uh, re-release an art cover, but uh, he browsed the pages and uh, he wasn't in shock or anything. He, he just chuckled and he said, I gave you that when I was a kid. What was I thinking? I said, well, you just wanted to make me read something. So, uh, but there was no uh, visceral reaction. Uh, and as a kid, I'm not sure if I really uh, understood. As I've said, I 
I couldn't read everything that was uh, on the pages and uh, get all the nuances. So I was captivated by the images. But some of the more uh, more violent images on the pages, I'm not sure my brain was fully registering what I was seeing, such as sure. uh, the scene with Barbara, for example. I yeah. think this thing flew way over my head <laughs> and I didn't realize what was going on. I just think that's fantastic, though. Like, ah, little uh, Ghostbusters yeah. <laughs> 2 freaked you out. It was like, ah, we can't take you to Batman 89, but let me go ahead and pick you up to the killing jokes. <laughs> Here you go, son. Have a good time. Go to your room yeah. and, and enjoy this this fun little comic book, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's an excellent choice. And knowing you and in, in talking to you and stuff and knowing your affinity for the character of the Joker, I, I don't think it surprises me at all that the killing joke would be your favorite. Um, outside of like not even knowing just the you know the emotional attachment and that great story but just you know your interest in the character and when he's written well and stuff and it's I mean as far as like greatest Joker stories ever told I mean that's probably the most popular one that anybody would say you know aside from maybe his first appearance and then um, the man who laughs I'm pretty fond of as well yeah, so I love that. yeah, Joker's Five-Way Revenge. I don't know why I was blanking yes. on that one. So, yes. um, yeah, fantastic. I read that as- oh. you, you read that as a kid? Yes, the Five-Way Revenge. Yeah, I did. Yeah. See, now that one I could see getting for... Uh, that one I could for see, get, like him picking up. Yeah, and you could get it. You could go through with that one and it'd be... It'd be I... Oh. But yeah, that's funny. Fantastic. I love it. Great story. <laughs> all right Renum. well we've teased these people long enough we give them a nice little appetizer so let's dig into the uh, the main course all right let's talk a little batman nosferatu now this this book here released in 1999 under the elseworlds banner <clears throat> writers are Randy and Jean-Marc Lafissier. Yeah. A, um, you informed me before this. You did the research. I did not know this. Uh, you go ahead and drop the drop the, the little nugget there because you weren't going to. And I said, no, you bring it up. You bring it up here. This is what the people come here for. So Jean-Marc Lafissier is a French comic book writer. And Randy Lafissier, whom I write of the bat, assumed uh with his brother is actually a lady uh i had no clue randy could be a first name for and uh in the u.s um yeah so she's american he's french uh they met uh i wasn't at at a convention i can't recall where it was but uh and it wasn't for something comic book related but uh they married and they relocated to france uh, a few years later and they've been uh, a working uh working partners uh in terms of writing excellent um much me i gloss over it and just thought oh they must be brothers um but there you go Little uh, little love connection. Yeah, what it actually uh, prompted me to make the research is because, well, Jean-Marc is obviously a French first name, mm-hmm. and Randy is not uh, a French name at all. Like, well, in case uh, 
some of the listeners haven't guessed, like I'm a French Canadian. Mm-hmm. So French is my first language. And I can tell you, Randy is not a name that we have over here, uh, nor in France. I'm not saying they are not at all, but it's just not common. Typically, Yes, it's a typically yeah. English name or Anglo name. And um, I uh, thought it was maybe a nickname at first. So I made the research and that's how I discovered the uh, Randy is a lady. There you go. Uh, probably, probably influenced um, one of the great South Park characters, Randy Marsh. Um, clearly, I mean, they came across that Matt, Matt Parker traced someone like, hey, Randy LaFissier. You know what? Let's let's name a character in South Park after after Randy here. Um, definitely kidding. The artist on this is uh, Ted McKeever. Uh, this book was released, obviously, physically. Um, from what, and this was a humdinger because I thought it was physical only. Could only find this sucker physically. So when you and I talked about this uh, a while ago, I tracked this down, which was rather easy, and I bought a physical copy, very affordable, um, shipped to me in like perfect condition and everything. And after reading this and doing some research, I saw that this is collected in the Justice League Elseworlds Volume Two book. Um, I was checking out the Batman Elseworlds books because I just figured this would go in into that one of those. And it wasn't in any of those. And I thought that was weird. So I'm like, I think this is the only Elseworlds story that's not collected in those volumes. And then to see that it was included in the Justice League one that that sucker is available digitally. Um, you, can, you can obviously buy that anywhere. And because it's digital, it's on my favorite app of all time. Hoopla. So for this discussion, Reno, what version did you read? It's a physical copy. It's the one that I bought uh, circa um, 2001, I'd say, at the latest. Yeah, 2000, 2001, I bought it at uh, Capitaine Quebec in Montreal on St. Catherine Street. And uh, if uh, the book is to be believed, I must have paid around $950 Canadian for my copy. And it's the same one that I that I have since still in pretty good condition i take great care of my books yes yeah well done (laughs) uh yeah and on the back i too because i just said it uh read it physically and on the back 950 canadian translates to 595 usa back in 1999 at least um was your your version was in english yes absolutely okay um i even though like my first language is French, sure. I will not read uh, something that is uh, translated unless I do not uh, I, I cannot read the the original uh, language that it's written in. Uh, for example, um, a novel that was written in uh, German, I will read it either in English or in French, but if it's in a, a language I'm familiar with, I'm going for the original text. Yeah. And I do the same thing. You're with purist. Movies. Yes. All right. My man. A lot, of, a lot of things can be lost in translation. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I get that. Um, do you remember when you first read this? I know you just said a year, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that that's the year that you read it. That's when you read it. So 
Yes. Um, I'd say it's about uh, 2000-2001. So sure. I must have been 16 or 17 year old. Um, I, I'm going from memory here. Mm -hmm. uh, do you recall the exact year when uh, ba uh, Batman Red Rain came out? Um, I believe it was prior to Batman Nosferatu. And um, I yeah. bought... 91. 91, eh? Yeah. I had read Batman Red, Red Rain at that point. I know there are more than one books. It's a trilogy, I believe, which um, I went to the comic shop and this thing caught my attention. And I bought it thinking that this must have been a sequel to Batman Red Rain, oh. which is not the case at all. And uh, yeah, back then, uh, I wasn't really using the internet to search uh, things that are comic book related. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was a teenager, and you can imagine <laughs> what it was. All right, there we go. <laughs> yes. So uh, you're looking up the Montreal Expos on the internet. Yes, yes I understand. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, look, um, I didn't. Uh, check out what were the titles of the sequel to Batman Red Rain back then. Mm -hmm. I just knew there was more. And when I saw that book, I purchased it thinking I was getting a sequel and they have absolutely nothing to do <laughs> uh, with one another. And um, we'll get into it. But even yeah. the title, Batman Nosferatu, I mean... That's not what I would have titled that book, if I'm being brutally honest. And um, yeah, we'll get we'll get to yeah, that here in we'll just a couple minutes that. for sure. <laughs> uh, I just read this for the first time yesterday. Uh, I've had this um, a few months now, um, back when we first talked, and you'd said that this was the book that you wanted, and I told you uh, I was not going to read it until we were really close to recording because I wanted fresh, I wanted fresh thoughts uh, to come at you with. Uh, and that brings me to the last question before we get into this discussion, or maybe this helps kick off the discussion, but why, when you and I talked and I asked if you wanted to come on, why was Batman Nosferatu the book that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I wanted to pick a title that I... I basically never hear or read anybody talking about excellent um, something that's a little bit weirder, mm -hmm. uh, unique, and uh, I decided to go for that. And uh, I will say, uh, when I picked that book for our conversation, I had not re revisit the book uh, since my original reading, so. Whoa. Um I was surprised by some of the stuff. Um it was a little bit blurry in my memory, uh how the the story went. And uh from what I recall, I thought there was way more Nosferatu in this than there was. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Uh so I I was a little bit confused when by halfway through the story, uh, 
the titular character hadn't showed up. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll say that I appreciate that you picked this one. Absolutely. Because, you know, this is episode 184. Out the gate, um, when this show started almost uh, four years ago, it was, you know, year one, long Halloween, dark victory, like heavy hitters. Surprisingly, it took like 80 something episodes until we talked The Dark Knight Returns with the uh, great uh, comic book wizard known as Robert Reinecke. Um, and there's still some some good classic stories that haven't been chosen, but also like now there people are having fun finding some, you know, some deep, some deep cuts, some some rarities. And I love it when I when that happens. And it's sometimes it's ones that are like, oh, my gosh, I haven't read that in a long time. So it's a little fuzzy or I haven't read this one at all. And so I get to journey online and hope that I can find it for a very affordable price. Um, and yeah, and then it just it becomes like a fun you know, a fun discussion and it, it you know, uh, brings excitement to it because it's, you know, oh, this is a new Batman story. I haven't read it before. So I don't know what I'm going to think, which is also exciting. So read it with an open mind. And then I love it, too, that it's 64 pages. So I was able to read it again today. Got to read it twice. I wanted to read it twice. Um, and I will. You started that. I will tell you that when you and I texted about setting up what time to record today, I we both didn't want to tell each other our thoughts or anything like that, but I but we did ex both exchange that we were very surprised that Nosferatu is the title, um, yes. because we both thought that it could have been your call, and it's even on the back of the book, the Cabinet of Doctor Arkham. That yes. I think that would have made a lot more sense. Um, I know that becomes a longer title. Um, but I mean, Batman, the cabinet of Dr. Arkham. Yeah, sure. Why not? You know, <laughs> it I seems like so that would have worked a little yeah. better. <laughs> it would have worked better. It would have been a better title considering the content of the story, but it's just not as marketable as Batman. Agreed. Yep. That's agreed. So, I mean, to kick us off with this, uh, well, let me give quick, really quick history behind this because doing that research. So I read this front to back, perfect. Like I was not lost in anything. Um, it's a standalone story. However, in looking up real quick, I saw that it was you know in the Justice League Elseworlds Volume Two collection, which really surprised me, and I didn't understand why until it said because it's quote unquote part of a trilogy where there's a Superman story, Elseworlds story, and a Wonder Woman story, both with the same the same teams um, did all three of these books. And together, they can be kind of one, almost like it could be one movie made up of three shorts. Um, very loose connection. However, it is they are connected. Um, so I definitely read both of those because I just kind of wanted the whole the whole vibe um of it all this one was my favorite of the three but also the other two were a little interesting all three are like earn the elseworlds banner and they all they all earn like the mature rating especially the wonder woman one um but yeah so you revisiting this for the first time in a long time what'd you think um I liked it a lot, uh, mostly for the art. 
the story itself mm, I enjoy what they were trying to do I'm not sure everything landed and I feel like it doesn't fully uh, live up to the potential of uh, of how you would pitch that story if I may say gotcha. um, even with the art that I, I really appreciate sometimes I had a hard time following uh, what was going on I don't know uh, how that went for you but there are some scenes in particular that uh, upon reading some reviews afterwards uh, today I realized that I had not understood what was really happening on the page and um, these are things that sort of tie into the previous book which is Metropolis, a Superman-centric German expressionist uh, uh, elsewhere story, which I had not read. Um, to piggyback on the, the little joke that I made earlier, I, I, I didn't uh, search for Batman Nosferatu either. So when I read this, I had no clue that um, it was part of a trilogy. Mm -hmm. Um and I found that out uh, this week. Actually, <laughs> I, I kind of felt bad because I, uh, I I was wondering if maybe uh, it would be accessible. And uh, now that I read it, yes, it's a standalone story. But as you said, there are some things that tie into uh, at least like the previous entry. I've not read mm -hmm. it yet. But uh, uh, thankfully, through some of the reviews, I was uh, able to understand what properly went on uh, in certain cases because um, it's sometimes a bit hard to follow. Mm -hmm. And the images are not always uh, are very good at explaining uh, the plot points. Yeah. Um, there are even some moments I don't know about you, but I, I had a hard time to tell which character was which, especially in the case of, uh, well, it's the Bruce Wayne character, but here he's called uh, Bruce Winson. Yeah. And you have uh, Dick Grayson, who's called Dirk uh, Grayson. Yeah. And uh, uh. sometimes I had a hard time telling them apart uh, same thing with the chancellor henderson character and uh yeah it's a little bit of a mess in terms of the writing but uh i think the base the skeleton of the story is good but um it could have uh it, it could have helped doing a few more drafts so I think you and I are definitely close because I read it and surprisingly I liked it. Um, I guess maybe that's not surprising because most, yeah, like a very high percentage of books talked about on the show. I like almost all of them except for one, which I did save in that episode last night on earth. And that was a good conversation with Eric Carter where we talked about that book. And I said, this is the first time somebody chose a book that I, I don't like. Um, and then there is Batman R.I.P., which continues to this day. Uh, make me sweat in my pits because it's a frustrating story. Uh, thanks, Javi. But this book, I think the strength in it is the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, I am not 
I, yeah, I've seen Cabinet of Dr. Caligari once. It was back in college. I dug it. Of course, it's a silent movie. So it's like, you know, my ADD mind can kind of venture. But the look of that is awesome. Um, I recognize that movie just by the look. And then when, so when, you know, when movies, TV shows, <laughs> Rob Zombie's Living Dead Girl. Um, yes. Comic books, you know, they have German expressionism and stuff like I dig that a lot. So that alone for this book, I, I really dug it. Uh, some of the art, though. So that being said, the settings and stuff, that's where definitely um, and the shadows and stuff like that was really cool. But I'm with you on some of the some of the panels. I don't really know what is there. Um, not many some and and i'll bring that up again or specifically uh soon and then i'm with you on when they went to you know the cabinet of dr arkham and people are talking about how bruce winson and dirk grayson have walked in and then it's like and then there's chancellor henderson and olson the confidant of the superman isn't that and then this was the word that I looked it up and I heard two different pronunciations of Eskevin and then Eshevin, uh, strange son with them. And I'm like sitting there looking at this panel. And I'm kind of getting confused. I'm like, wait, who is who and what? Huh? Like little moments like that where I did get a little confused on on characters and like which ones which ones which. Um, but that that didn't prevent me from, you know, continuing on with the story. It was just rather than just reading next panel, reading next panel. I like had to, you know, pause, focus in a reread and then kind of flip back and then flip again forward to identify who's talking. Uh, the story, though, I think Bruce's transformation into Nosferatu. I think that seems a little like WTF. Um, yes. and not, and not in a way of like, what, that's messed up, but more so, wait, what, what just happened? Like a little confusion of, I don't think that's very clear to understand what happened in reading all three of these books. They do follow a pretty similar, uh, formula in the sense of almost like the first third is establishing. And by the three books, I mean the Superman Elseworlds, this one and the Wonder Woman Elseworlds. Like the first third of the book is like the ex exposure to this world and the setting. Then it turns into a little bit of like, you get some exposition on the backstory. And then that ends by, you know, their uh, normal, Basically, that almost like the second act ends with them turning into the superhero. And then the third act is, you know, of each story is them as the superhero uh, taking down whoever the bad guy is and stuff. So there's a familiar formula with all three. Um, this one. I don't know. I, I just think this one was kind of the funnest and more kind of horror ish for me uh, to where this one. Yeah, I like this one the most of the three. So, uh, let's see. Where do you, where do you want to start off with? What do you want to? I mean, we can hit any point. Jump around, spoil anything. Uh, what do you want to hit on first? Ah, uh, <laughs> um, how about this? Takes place apparently in Earth, nineteen twenty-seven. Yes, 
That is thank you to dc.fandom.com. Um Earth1927, the origins of this metropolis. Uh, which that was a that was one thing that got me confused, and I don't think it was very clear in Batman Nosferatu was that this is Metropolis. There's no Gotham. It's Metropolis. And Metropolis is obviously in the Superman story and um, the Wonder Woman story. Like that also is Metropolis. And in this book, Batman Nosferatu. So this was again, I read this before even knowing about it being part of a trilogy. The Wonder Woman story came out after this. But you go to a place that says Palace of Sin and they mention a Dr. Psycho. And then you do see a a poster that says Diana in the blue Amazon. I thought that was just some kind of little fun wink, nod, nod. And then found out that the Wonder Woman story is called the blue Amazon. Um, in that book is the origins of this metropolis. So okay. I, I, I feel like you, if you can find it reasonably, I feel like just out of interest, you'll probably track the other two down to, to give a shot to just kind of see, but I think you'll definitely be one that's like, no, the Nosferatu one's my, my favorite of the three. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess we did say cabinet of Dr. Caligari, but the, on the Wikipedia page, it says the story of Batman Nosferatu is quote patterned after the classic films, Metropolis, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, and to a lesser extent, Nosferatu, a symphony of horror Metropolis. Um, the Superman story is based heavily on that one. And I forget what the wonder woman story is heavily influenced on, but the yeah they definitely this this team stuck to you know a group of films as their heavy influence yeah um, the german expressionist i believe the because um, i i did a few research today mm-hmm. i i believe the wonder woman story draws from uh dr mabu's the gambler there you go uh and there was another one i can't recall what it is but uh, yeah, it's interesting because uh, you say it's Earth for nineteen twenty seven, so they obviously went for a year um, related to a silent film. So uh, we have uh, the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, which is arguably the first horror film ever made, mm-hmm. and it came out in nineteen twenty. Hmm. Um, so it predates uh, Nosferatu, which came out in 1922, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So in that sense, I kind of appreciate how the the Doctor Harkin comes before Nosferatu shows up because there is a sense of film history in there. At least yeah. that was my perception. I don't know to what point. Um. It is done on purpose. Uh, I may be reading way too much into it. Not at all. Uh, but that, <laughs> th- that's how my brain processes the information. Just like the idea of having basically the Joker, which in this story is a little bit uh, of a cyborg, I believe. He's snatched mm-hmm. from many different bodies and there's some uh, metal to him. Uh, that confused me when they brought brought up that he was made by a character called Evil Luthor. So that would be the Lex Luthor of Metropolis, I assume. And seems to me like maybe they took some elements from Natalo. I'm not too sure. I'm not that savvy in the Superman lore. Mm -hmm. 
but that's where my brain went to when they mentioned that he was a cyborg. But uh, what really uh, um, caught my attention and having the Joker play that part, um, the part part of the character called uh, uh, Caesar in um, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, the actor playing Caesar is Conrad Veidt, whom a lot of Batman <laughs> fans know as the the actor who portrayed Gwynplaine in Paul Lenny's uh, adaptation of The Man Who Laughs. And it's a film and uh, that had an impact in not the creation of the Joker that I believe was already done by um, Mr. Robinson, uh, but I believe Bill Finger took him to see the film and uh, it played a part in how in the final design. Uh, I know Mr. Uslan brought it up uh, on social media a few months ago. Um, so there's a there's some connective tissue by having um, the Joker being the role that was played by Conrad Veidt and again, I'm guessing this one is intentional. Uh, mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. It's mm -hmm. the type of thing that if you're not into film history, this might fly right over your head. But if you know, you know. And uh, you'll have a, a little uh, smile when you see that. Have you noticed how uh, first Ishavan, uh, Gord's son, kind of looks like Pat Hingle? had a child with Wilfred Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that as I'm browsing through the pages as we talk right now. You know, and... I did not put uh, <laughs> Hingle and uh, Wilfred together. Uh, but that is a now. that's uh, a hell of a baby. Yeah, Gordon at this age is 42. Like, it blows my mind when I see of like pictures of how old Wilfred Brimley was or like what he looked like when he was like 40 or something. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> that's hilarious, though. God, uh, I want to do a side by side. My brain. Oh, that's fantastic. I saw the picture. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, So, yeah, Calgary is fuzzy in my brain, but I obviously people I think a lot of people would know the like images would stick in their heads of like they could they could something would pop in their head if they hear uh, about that movie. And I think definitely Dr. Arkham is a great representation, a great link. Uh, you can heavily see the influence. Obviously, the the shadowy side of Metropolis, um, those landscape images um, definitely make you think that this side of Metropolis, it just seems it's like it, it's a very dark, dirty um, section of the city so it would they never say Gotham but it's like a there's a lot of there's there's good allegories here of like the of Batman history you know yeah. and there's so how Bruce Wayne's son turns into Batman or sorry turns into Nosferatu you can see how that how they morphed the true story of how Batman or Bruce turned into Batman, you know, they morphed it a little bit and be like, oh, okay. So here he, it's almost like he does fall down a well and he's like in a cave and he rises out of that cave as something different, you know? And it's like, yeah, that's in here too. 
that's in Nosferatu. It's very different, but like the bones, the roots are there. The seeds are there. It's just doing what Elseworld stories do changes it heavily. Um, since I just, so two things, one, you did the research on this, um, the sun, the hyphen sun at the end of, of the names. Yes. Go ahead and explain what, you know, the, the link to that, the, the definition of that, why that's in here. Yes. Um, take what I'm about to say with, uh, uh very a shot of Mountain Dew. A shot of Mountain Dew. Thank but, you. Um, yes. <laughs> very <laughs> considerable amount of grain of salt because it's a Google search. And I'm not sure if I understood everything because okay. um, usually when I see son at the end of, uh, the end of a last name, um, my brain doesn't think a German. Uh, it thinks Scandinavian. Hmm. So uh, I was confused use why they add this and apparently that was the thing um but not in the era during which that book is taking place uh because by the late uh is it the 18th century or the early 19th century uh people in germany started to change the son for s-o-h-n so son to germanize their name um so that's why uh, by the way that i'm trying to pronounce it as Wainson rather than just Wainson, um because i'm assuming this is how it's meant to be pronounced mm -hmm. i'm not certain but it's confusing and even the fact that okay i know you're trying to play on the german expressionist thing um from what i recall of dr caligari there's no character that had a name that ends with son uh the character there was well caligari cesar uh there's a character named francis um i can't recall the name of the lady my brain says that it's laura but i'm probably wrong um <clears throat> But even though, like, if you're trying to to play into the the German thing, I think they kind of overdid it. Like, mm -hmm. maybe do it for one character or two, but uh, there there's a lot of it in there, yeah. and it's a little bit confusing. The the Bruce to be like Bruce mm -hmm. that I got, I appreciate. Uh, Dick is Dirk. That works for me. I, I just took those as like that's definitely like the German version of those names is yeah, Bruce German, and Dirk. Yeah, that's yeah, just kind of what I figured. So Luthor rather than Luther. Yeah. No, no H, but they they, they really overdid it. <laughs> if I may say, <laughs> you may say um, it's uh it plays a little bit like a parody at that point. Gotcha. But, uh, you know, yeah, I don't I mean, think there was any ill intention. It's just sure. clumsy writing. I took it as, you know what? There's Bruce. There's Dick. Oh, there's Commissioner Gordon, even though it's Eschivan, Esh Eschivan, um, Gordon, and, and <clears throat> excuse me, and stuff like that. And it didn't bother me much. It's like, oh, okay, got it. Um, Something that was interesting to me definitely are these 
so it's called psychomancies, public psychomancies, yeah. in which I looked up to see if like an actual definition of a psychomancy, and I didn't, I didn't find anything. And then I think Barbara references it later and calls it a seance. Um, yes. But I was really wondering, so what basically a psychomancy is, is or like in this story is it's almost like it's a, it's a, you know, the cabinet of Dr. Arkham. So it's almost like it's Dr. Arkham's stage in theater. The public comes to, and he brings out the laughing man and who, you know, doesn't really speak. And then it's like, he can, you know, his hysteria has freed his mind from the boundaries of time. He knows the past and can see into the future. Test him for yourselves. And so Dirk even says, he raised his hand and he said, I'd like to know what tomorrow's headline will be. And the laughing man just says, death. And then what ends up happening is Arkham sticks him out to go kill somebody that's going to make a headline. And who is it? It's Gordon, because we see the uh, Wilford Brimley, Pat Hingle, um, Gordon, you know, like in the in the early on, he's arguing with with Arkham about how he doesn't like, like he needs to put a stop to him. He calls it okay. He says he calls them seances. Psychomancy is the term we use, says Doctor Arkham. Divination using the soul as a medium. Um, so that's kind of like that backs up the claim of what the laughing man he can see into the future. He said death. Uh, which I think for given like back in those earlier times, it was easier to like, I don't think people, people like, were more gullible then. So without asking questions, they can read that headline and be like, see, he was right. Rather than asking certain questions and starting to pinpoint things. Uh, but I don't know what like people showed up. That question was asked and then everybody just left. And that's a psychomancy. And what does that really even mean then? Like, what is this public event? You know? Yeah. Um, I It's basically mirroring a scene from uh, Dr. Caligari. Uh, in that film, they refer to it as a uh, uh, hypno seance. So gotcha. it's uh, hypnotism. Okay. And um, the character who in this is the laughing man. So in the film is, uh, I say Caesar, but it might be Cesare. There's a, uh, an extra e um they mention he's a somnambulist so he's basically asleep i guess mm -hmm. and uh under the hypnosis of uh, dr caligari can tell the future and uh caligari is using caesar to commit uh some brutal murders uh some of them for uh, personal revenge some of them for further uh, purposes that I'm not going to get into because that movie has a twist ending and uh, I don't want to spoil a film that <laughs> is over a hundred years old. 104 because, years old this year, but yeah, don't spoil because it. I, to this day, this movie still works mm -hmm. and um, rather than spoiling it, I think people should, uh, Seek it out and watch it. It's a good time. Maybe save it for your uh, um, date night. The spook, yeah, late night. <laughs> the, the spooky, spooky season night. around uh, Halloween. Okay. Watch. Uh, there you go, Doctor Caligari. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna say what the okay. twist ending is, but there's some there's some surprises 
uh, by the end. And I, I rewatched the film uh, yesterday and I had forgotten about that part. Okay. So, yeah. I can't wait to watch it again. I'm going to hop to it again. So, there's a pretty good release on Blu-ray by uh, Kino. I think it's uh, it runs for around uh, $30, $35 uh, Canadian. So pro- you can probably get it uh, for $25, $30 a US. $19.99 on Amazon. Oh, wow. That's a bargain. Get it. <laughs> All right. I am um, not paid by Kino, just <laughs> for the record. I am not paid by Amazon, so there we go. We have it all out there. We're not, <laughs> we're not getting any anything out of this. Um. Okay, so so that's a little bit like referencing then, uh, Caligari. The you you explained that basically, Arkham is kind of using the Laughing Man, which I think very appropriate that it's the Joker, it's the Laughing Man, um, and he is kind of this, you know, he's this monster. All of that, again, it's like, yeah, you can definitely see the roots of that being the roots of the Joker that we all know. Um, So I I liked that. I didn't mind that he was assembled by Luthor at all. and how, I mean, it totally works that Arkham's using him to go after, you know, basically his enemies. Hey, Gordon's going to be a pain in his ass. So he's like, we got to get rid of him. We got to take him off the table. Hey, perfect. Laughing man, do your thing. Um, Dirk, who is, you know, a man of law in this, um, he's kind of asking questions and being a little bit of a pain in the butt. And so... He's uh he's the second victim and dies rather I liked so I really liked how Gordon's was left to your imagination, you know. It was just, you know, it was happens kind of off screen. And then they amplify it for the next one and they actually show you that one. And that one's a little bit more brutal because you get to see the laughing man kind of in action and Dirk puts up a fight, albeit briefly, but then gets beheaded. And it's like, oh shit. <laughs> there he goes. These Elseworld stories. Um, and Bruce kind of doesn't, he doesn't play a major factor, but then you start to get into like, like basically that second act. And then it does definitely become his story, you know? And I'm, I like that. He's a doctor in this one. Um, yes. The roots of like, obviously the, the link with that is, you know, Thomas Wayne that we all know in, um, the source material being the doctor. So it's like, Oh, okay. That's them having a, it's them linking, um, morphing his, his story a little bit, but, and they avoided going down a path that, you know, we've seen in other stories of he is a detective or a police officer or something. Cause, and they, they go further from it, but still like, it's still, I, I almost would say like it's still elseworlds ish in the sense of, well, he's not the one that you know, but he's not too far from it in a sense either. There's still a lot of parts of him that are familiar. Um, but he he wants to investigate the stuff because the after the second murder, then you have the new chance or you have the Chancellor Henderson, who I think then is in charge of the police, and he's like, I will find this person. And then out of nowhere, they get Bane who's walking down an alley with, you know, and his luchador mask and everything, which I think is hilarious, actually, that everybody's dressed and looked in this 1920s ish. But then Bane looks exactly like he does in the comics in the 1990s. (laughs) And they're like, it's him. Arrest him. 
put him in the slammer. We got him. But Bruce is very suspect about it. And it's like, that's just too convenient. It doesn't match up. And then he kind of becomes the detective. And the actual, so the tower that they call, so Arkham Asylum is not called Arkham Asylum. Do they just call it the tower? Uh, Yeah, and the cabinet. Okay. So at a certain uh, point, but uh, yes. I, uh, they, I they don't refer to it as uh, as an asylum. Yeah. Um I dig the interior of the ca- you know of the cabinet basically. Um I love the spiral look to it where all the jail cells you know are looking across from each other with it and it it is like a massive well. And even though they're very unique designs, it's like you do get that page that's got, you know, and they each have, you know, just a couple words, but you got penguin, scarecrow, man, bat, poison ivy. Later on, you end up seeing killer croc like they don't have much to do. You don't see much of them, but it's still, uh, you know, that kind of stuff's always fun when rogues um, pop up into stories, especially Elseworld stories, even if it's briefly. Uh, the major thing that I wanted to ask you though, when Bruce, when they catch Bruce and they throw him basically down the well, down the pit, you know, I kind of don't know what the hell happens. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the part that I was referring to earlier. Okay, I figured, <laughs> but <laughs> that, that's um. There's some stuff that I completely understood differently until I read some of the reviews and some of the summary because apparently he gets changed by a machine. And uh, apparently that's that machine or AI. Uh, that's something that uh, begins in the previous story in Metropolis. Mm-hmm. So... For me, when I first read that story, that's not at all how I understood what was going on. I mm-hmm. saw those screens and uh, they mentioned that uh, he had been, um, Bruce had been studying from uh, uh, an older grimoire, I think is the word that he used. And you see those screens and that ancient text and I, I was imagining that maybe it was some sort of sorcery and uh my understanding till today was that he had been brought back but by some sort of uh malignant spirits or the powers of darkness because naturally that would play into the the old vampire lore that they're trying to uh to build with this and even then I say vampire lore it's a it's a little bit of a stretch because I don't know about you but in the following pages after that transformation when he shows up and he introduces himself as the Nosferatu is that supposed to be a space or is that a mask so um, I it's I unclear took that... until the last the last panel right yes but there's a big but coming with that too. I'm going to rewind just really quick though. When you did say the a grimoire older than the city itself, and it says here begins the land of the specters. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, so it's supposed to be like spirits and ghosts and stuff. But then I just can't. And it looked like screens. 
And so my mind just went to, okay, this is a bat cave then. And this is monitors or something. But I'm like, but I just don't know what any of that is supposed to be. At the end, when um, he's fighting the Superman and they land down there as well, it's just as ugly and unclear. And it says in that of the sudden arrival of those who live below, those who remain. They are from before the time of smoke and soot, which that is, I believe, identified in the Superman story. Uh, their roots plunge deep into this world's dying core. Their shapes have grown alien with passing eons. And then it zooms in on something else. I have no clue what that even is. And it says, they remember the ancient pact made with man, their creator. They recognize in this man, one who watches the day as they watch the night. And so it's like, I'm just like, I don't, I this part, I don't know what any of it is. And it just, it doesn't connect or click with me. No matter how many times I pause and reread it. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just kind of say, okay. I just kind of gave up and then I just went, like, okay, let's continue. As for the Nosferatu himself, I kind of thought upon first read that that was quite a jump because it's like you went from him chained to in front of this unidentifiable thing. Next page, the laughing man is about to take out Barbara Gordon in her bedroom. And then the Nosferatu's there, and he's got a whole new outfit, and it, the face is different, and he's got a medallion around his neck that has a bat symbol. Um, and it's like, okay. All right. And I can't say that I love the look. Me neither. Um uh, I'll get to I'll I'll get to yeah. positive things on this book for sure. But I mean, while we're in it, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know that I love that look. <laughs> um I'm certainly with you on that, especially like the bad ears kind of look like antennas. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, if I if I may say, I think the the Nosferatu looks much better on the cover art than on any of the pages in the comic. Yeah, I'll go and with you there. So yeah, I'll bring that up later on in the conversation again because. I know one of the questions you're going to ask me and this will okay be a part of my answer but uh oh snap yeah um I don't love the look either I think the I like the jacket it kind of looks like the one that uh Max Shrek the actor <laughs> of the character from Batman Returns so the yeah. the actor who played uh, Count Orlock in the Nosferatu uh, that looks like his jacket and I like the red scarf but um, the face which as I've said is that a mask a helmet what the hell is it can he shape shift his face that doesn't really work for me uh, the fingers are kind of cool it's creepy but um, even in the, the design the drawing I, I don't think they play into the vampiric element enough for me yeah nor in and, the writing I mean, there's no blood sucking or anything yeah at any point yep so therefore i kind of wondered why they chose nosferatu unless it was just like well that's the time period 
that of like the movies that are influenced are from that time period. So yeah, Nosferatu, let's use that one. So sure, why not? Um, I know that they could lean into the, you know, a creature of the night uh, in the shadow and, you know, and stuff like that. And, and it it's not as smooth to me as it could be. And much like you said with his face, I took his face as a mask. Because mm-hmm. especially that last page, you do see Bruce as a normal human. He's wearing the medallion, but normal human. I guess if somebody wants to say that he's a shapeshifter, um, I'm not going to argue with you. My mind didn't go to that. And when I thought of that as a possibility, I was like, no, to me, it's a mask. Um, yeah. That's just where my mind goes. Uh, but it's open for interpretation, I guess. Yeah, especially since, well, they use the name Nosferatu. So, well. People associate that with a vampire, but that stems from the mostly uh, the movies and some earlier lore. Uh, it's not the Romanian word for vampire, unlike what some people claim. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can look up uh, the etymology of uh, that word, you'll find out that pop culture has played a bigger part in the way that we associate that with vampires. But obviously they are trying to still play into that theme throughout the story. And uh, while for the most part I read it as a mask uh, or helmet because it covers the whole thing, um, I wasn't sure because vampires can shapeshift. Um, maybe you can transform like that. It's kind of hard to tell, but they don't play into any of the other uh, vampiric quality that the character would have. Exactly. uh, If he was one. So I'm taking it as he was granted some form of powers by this apparently machine or AI. I still think they should have gone with spirits and powers of darkness the way the the story was constructed and the choices of words they made, but you know, <laughs> yeah, they I decided that, to play into Metropolis and uh, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's one point where they do mention, they say something about Bruce and how he's like a bat out of hell. Yeah. And I think that's like the, that's kind of like the, that. And then Nosferatu, that's like the, it, to me is the only links to, you know, a vampire. Yeah, uh, in the whole story, he's condemned to live in the shadows and lurk in the shadows. Yeah, that's pretty much it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, <laughs> pretty much it. Um, the Superman shows up in this because they first off they go to find him, so Bruce and Barbara go to talk to him about looking into this. And this is a little bit of an aftermath from his solo story. After I read it, Um, nothing bothered me. My first reading of this, not knowing anything else. Um, But he's too concerned with his mission that you find in, in the Superman story to really bother with it. But then he does end up messing with it because to him, he's all about the light. And there's a lot going on in the shadows. And so he goes and confronts, basically confronts Nosferatu and comes to the realization of, no, one can't exist without the other. Basically, I'm in charge of the light. You're in charge of the shadow. Um, yeah. of the, or 
they recognize so yeah though the one those who live below even say of one who watches the day and then one who watches the night and they come to that kind of understanding so that it, the way they get there is obviously very you know unique and different from other stories but again the seeds the root of that like that part of the story is very much superman and batman you know there's a lot of elements to that characteristics that are the um superman and batman that we know yes it's even, i didn't mind it it's, it's even metropolis and gotham mm-hmm. it's a uh some of that conversation about um uh you can't have light without darkness and everything like it really reminded me of uh ridley scott's legend i don't know if you've seen that movie but i have uh, not <laughs> shame on me uh, they have a conversation by the end of the film uh, between the character Jack played by Tom Cruise and a Lord of that darkness played by Tim Curry. And uh, some of the dialogue is very similar to uh, what went on uh, uh, at the end of that comic. I'm pretty sure they, I'm not saying they lift, from it but um i they've seen that movie that's for sure <laughs> the way some of the things were phrased uh they've watched legend a hundred percent um yeah but again i'm not saying that they lift or anything mostly like uh, they were probably inspired and maybe it's all a co- coincidence i'm not saying this uh, uh in a negative way by the way i, I don't think anyone uh uh, can fully uh, construct the story and dialogues out of a vacuum. You know, uh, we're influenced by the stuff that we've seen that we love, and we're even influenced by the stuff that we don't like because we try to avoid um, falling into similar traps or uh, yeah. uh, doing things that we know are not necessarily uh, received well. Yep. Uh, and I mean, to cap that, I, I did enjoy the fight between the two there at the end. And I actually I did like the dialogue and then the the text written um, yep. as well. I think all of that was done. That was pretty clear. That was done pretty, pretty well, um, in my opinion. Uh, is there anything? I'm sure you have some thoughts on other things we haven't talked about yet. Is there anything you want to you want to touch on before? Yeah, what do you, yeah, what do you think about that moment uh, when uh, the Nosferatu and Superman fights, and uh, it is revealed that uh, the Superman's mom is named Marta as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was a little taken aback that he didn't say, "Why did you say that name?" But. Uh... <laughs> it was it was crucial crucial to the story yeah you know? yeah with without yeah. it this would have been an, an f an f minus but thank god they had that in there um it all, stellar it writing, all, it right? all could, <laughs> yes stellar writing it all clicked everything's good yeah it's uh <laughs> yeah see I, i'm not that much of a fan of uh, having batman and superman uh fight or even meet to be honest i prefer to uh uh, have them in their own stories. I, I'm not a Justice League guy. I like solo Batman first and foremost. And mm-hmm. 
uh whenever i do read some superman stuff which is pretty rare uh, i like solo superman as well but in this instance it didn't really bother me i thought it served the story pretty well and uh but i uh if i if i may say i would i would have liked a longer confrontation between uh the Nosferatu and the Laughing Man rather than just bringing in Superman in the third act. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, kind of like copy-paste everything you just said. I think it's, I've said it on here many times, that like, if I'm asked, what's your preference? I say solo, grounded, Batman. Like that's just, that's my preference, and if that's the case, then he doesn't need to be showing up with Superman. Um, there obviously there's a lot of content where the two are together and stuff that I do like. Um, so in this, you know, without knowing the context of the three stories that are you know interconnected, him showing up it didn't bother me. Uh, I th- and I and then like I said at the end, the message that kind of comes across by the two of them meeting, uh. I, I liked it. I thought it was well done. I think the the message, the writing for that was well done. Uh, there was a, definitely a purpose rather than, well, we need to bring Superman and Batman together. And now I know we're like in the superhero genre, we've had more than enough of heroes fighting heroes uh, at this time, especially at that being Elseworlds. It probably, probably would have stood out more, even though this is, you know, a, over a decade after Dark Knight Returns, where the two face off against each other, um, is probably if you know it would have felt like um, more of a rarity and stood out a little bit more than this time. But to, to answer your original question, like I didn't mind it either. I thought it was well done. On the Wikipedia page, I saw that it was interesting because uh, Jean Marc he had it. And this is according to Wikipedia, said that he had a fourth and final book planned entitled The Green Light, which would have introduced counterparts of Green Lantern, The Flash, and The Martian Manhunter. And then they list a bunch of different movies that it could have been based on. Um, I I can tell you, after reading the three, I wasn't longing for like, where's more? I was good. I don't think I'd have needed yeah. more. Um. I can't really comment on that because I've not read the Metropolis or um, a Wonder Woman, a blue Amazon. You said the title was. Yeah. Yeah. um, I'm not longing for more either after reading Batman Nosferatu. Um, I'm not longing for more in terms of the story that was proposed. Would I take another story set in that world? Uh, focusing on the Nosferatu, yes. Uh, especially if uh, it would play a little bit more into the vampiric lore, because that's something that I'm uh, very much a fan of, as you know. Um, and it's part of the reason why I picked that book. I've mentioned uh, Batman Red Rain earlier. I got this thinking I was getting a sequel, uh, but all of that was linked to the fact that uh, at that age I was a very much a goth teenager, <laughs> and uh, everything uh, vampire related I was devouring. You so... were Jared Leto before Jared Leto. No, <laughs> <laughs> you inspired him. You're the reason for Thirty Seconds to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah. um. 
Yeah, I I would take more Batman Nosferatu stories if they played a little bit more into the the vampiric stuff. But uh, to be honest with you, I don't think there's that much of a market for it. Not with the way uh, this story was proposed. I've mentioned um, earlier in our conversation how I think this story, uh, while I like it, I it doesn't live up to its potential. That's kind of where I'm getting at here. Um, I think there's a better version of that story that could have been told and that could have been expanded on uh, for a few more issues. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Uh, I want to dip into a couple of questions for you, Rena. Yes. Yes, you've got a question? First off, I want to ask you, what was your favorite part of Batman Nosferatu? Um, it's going to tie into my favorite panel. And that would, do you have your copy with you? Yeah. Yes. Uh, go at page 38. And it is when the Laughing Man is creeping into the bedroom of Barbara Gordeson and the Nosferatu shows up for the first time. Mm -hmm. I love the imagery. Um, Obviously, I love the Batman-Joker dynamic. So whatever version you have, uh, whenever they have a face-off, especially if it's one of their first encounter, it doesn't need to be the first one. Um, I'm captivated and here the way that it's presented uh, I know they are mirroring uh, the scene when uh, Caesar abducts a woman in uh, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari but it also uh, um, it also uh, remind me of uh, that scene when uh, the vampire uh, Orlock is in getting in the bedroom of, uh, oh, I forgot the name of the character in the German version, but it's the equivalent of Mina Harker. Hmm. And um, yeah, the imagery is very similar here. And I am, I'm very much a fan of that part of the story. Uh, the the art design it it even reminds me of the 1979 uh, Nosferatu remake by Werner Herzog mm-hmm. with uh, Klaus Kinski as uh, Horlock. Uh, in that version, they use the name from the book, uh, the Dracula book, because yeah, the the original Nosferatu film is basically uh, not unauthorized. Uh, adaptation of Dracula so they change the name and there's a scene in which uh, Dracula creeps in uh, it's Lucy's bedroom because like mm-hmm. many adaptation they kind of did a switcheroo between mm-hmm. uh, Mina and Lucy mm-hmm. and uh, yeah so that's my favorite part and that's my favorite panel as well it's just it's, like it's just basically the whole sequence you can't pick out just creepy. one yeah okay um, very atmospheric. I'm, I'm not too so my favorite part. Uh it's and this is weird, but it's also not too far from you. In that it's when the laughing man goes after another Gord's son. But it's oh. her papa. So page 15. 
I just love how it plays out of because first off, I love the I love how bright and full the moon is and then how bright yet dark it makes the skyline. It makes the sky. It makes the shadow like all all that blending looks really good. I like it a lot. And so then I just love that sequence of the laughing man. He's on the roof, jumping off the roof and you see he's going to police tower. And then, like I said earlier of you don't. You know what happens to Gord's son, but you don't see what happens. And I think it's very effective. Yes. So I just think it's a very good, like it's a good, like kind of like horror scene. Creepy stalking to go get his prey and he, he gets him. And then you turn that page and sure enough, it's, you know, headline Metropolis in shock. You know, he's found earlier today, brutally murdered in his office. So you can almost guess what happened to him after you see what the laughing man does to Dirk. You know, just a few pages later, like, oh, man, because the lights on also. And then all of a sudden, like the light goes off and, and stuff. So I think all that's done really well. As for my favorite panel. <clears throat> um, Also strange. uh, The t the two page spread on page two and three. When you get that that skyline of what this, you know, dark metropolis looks like that bright freaking moon. And this basically what I just said about how that moon, how they color the moon with the sky, with the buildings and the shadow and stuff, I think is such a great look and such a great atmosphere um, that I just I dig it. And that just that stood out to me like it's almost like even in looking at it as if you're looking at a bright freaking moon. Like you step outside, look in the sky and it's a full moon night uh, and it's bright. Like that's how good I think they did the coloring and all of that on this. Um, and I just ended up liking that. Like, if I liked the Nosferatu costume more than his first reveal standing in the doorway with the moon behind him, like that could have been it. But I just I don't love that costume. So I just <laughs> I, I love this Gotham at night with the moon and everything. I think it's just such a great atmosphere. Um, would you like to see this adapted into animation? Yes. However. <laughs> I was going to say yes. I even have it written yes, but. So basically you're saying the same thing. However, I have conditions. Exactly. And it's kind of what I was uh, mentioning earlier about, the, for example, the costume design of the Nosferatu. Um because I gotta be honest, I knew you were gonna ask me about the my favorite panel, and I I kind of had a hard time picking which one it was gonna be. And originally, I was gonna cheat a bit and say that my favorite panel is the cover art. So, would I like to see an animation version of this? Uh, well, first of all, I don't think there's a market for that on a uh, feature length of uh, seventy. Uh, 70 minute of film um, but if they did because they could make let's say an anthology um, story either with the other German expressionist uh, um, tales that you mentioned or they could just make a, an animated movie called Batman or Justice League uh, Hellsworld or DC Hellsworld and you would have these let's say four short stories of let's say 20 minutes each because this book you can get through in 25 minutes easily as far as i'm concerned yeah and if they did i would really like if they could lean a little bit more on the artwork 
that is featured on the cover. And as I've said, though, there's a lot of potential. And I think uh, an animated film that would be a little bit more inspired by rather than a direct adaptation could possibly reach um, the potential that this pitch had originally. Hmm. Well, I, I guess I'd want it. I would want it to not look like any other animated property they've done. Yeah. And I don't know that that would be possible in their mind because when they adapt these comic book stories, it's there usually there's a flow, there's a style that it's all that it's a part of that you've seen before and you're going to see after it. So if that's the route they go, I'd be, I'd be like, no, um, kind of like what you said. I don't know. People aren't, you know, I'd be surprised if many people read this and if they listen to us talk about it and they go and they read it, that there's going to be a lot of people that really love it. So therefore it's just like, I don't know that they, that this would be anywhere near a list of let's adapt, but the a caveat with that, or, you know, a, a flip side of that is that you can kind of, it kind of gives you a lot of freedom. You can do whatever you want with it then. Um, yes. And maybe they could do one that does lean more into the Nosferatu aspect um, but for me, the strength of this book is definitely the look and the atmosphere. And so that's what I would want them to really lean into if they ever adapted it in the animation. Um, yeah, and I mean, I thought of how I said of like if earlier a movie of all three stories and they're just shorts, like they could do that. This being like a 75 minute movie, it would be almost like, hmm, what are you going to add in there to help fill? And not just as filler, make make it big contributions. Um, I don't know what they do, but also anything that comes out, Batman's attached to it. I'm gonna be there. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> An easy easy sell on that. Uh, Reno, let's let's hear just like your your final thoughts on the story before we scoot on out of here. Well, to be honest, I don't think I've got a lot more to add uh, after mm -hmm. the discussion that we sure we just had um i mean it's the 25th anniversary of that book too so uh, Woo! look at that first episode of this year we're doing an anniversary episode and no idea <laughs> <laughs> maybe we're gonna revive interest in that book yeah. and you know hell robert heggers as a nosferatu remake coming that's out that's right uh, I think on uh, December, I think yeah, it's on Christmas Day. Uh, yeah, uh, you know what we could say? Gonna uh, us waiting into that story. Us waiting till now to do it in the 25th anniversary. It's all part of the plan. <laughs> yes. There we go. It's all connected as well. It's all right? connected. Yes, always. <laughs> <laughs> it's all connected. All right. Before I interrupted you, though, so carry on your final thoughts. Um, continue unless you were unless you were finished. Oh, I was done. That that, okay. that was pretty much it. I was just gonna bring up it's the twenty fifth anniversary, um, and uh, maybe we're gonna revive some interest in that book. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe as I said, the Robert Eggers film might uh might be a reason for a reprint. I don't know if there's some. Sure. Uh, if there's some buzz around that story, if at one point it resurfaces <laughs> on uh, 
social media. You never know. Um, the Batman Book Club's going to bring it back. Yes. <laughs> we did we'll, it. We'll find out. We'll find out. But uh, I don't know how affordable this story is if you want a comic book uh, physical uh, copy. Um, as I, I said, less than $10. Oh, yeah. That's what you paid for it. Yep. I got it used. Great shape. Uh, I think it was free shipping with it, and I spent less than 10 bucks. So, um ebay if you're interested otherwise like i said the the collection of the justice league elseworlds that's you know hoopla if somebody has hoopla and you want to check it out before you just buy um i'd be interested to hear a lot of people's thoughts yeah i, I think it's going to speak maybe to film fans sure. more than yeah. to batman film fans um as i've as i told you prior to recording the, this episode as i was rereading the comic I thought about uh, one of your former uh, guests uh, a few times, and I'm pretty sure he would appreciate uh, that story. Well, maybe he wouldn't like it. Uh, I can't speak for him, but I think he would be interested by the premise, and that would be Mr. Robert Reinecke. Professor Reinecke, yeah. He will message me after I after he listens to this. I guarantee he's going to message me, and and he'll give me a nice little lesson. He does that every now and then, and I always enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I bet, I bet he's had it or read it and he's got some thoughts. So there you go, Robert, open invitation, send me a message. I want to hear it. Um, I came out the gate saying that I did like this book and I stand by that. And I think like I have some criticisms for sure. And it seems like I, I had a lot of them. Um, just some things that seemed a little muddy, some things I was confused by, uh, there wasn't anything in here that I flat out hated. Um, and overall the book, like it, it, it did work for me. I think like you had, you know, emphasized, it didn't reach its full potential. I totally, I think that's a great way to put it. And I totally agree with that. It could have been better, but also like what I got, I did enjoy and I read it twice and I enjoyed it. And I liked the atmosphere, obviously like by far the most, and it's an interesting Elseworlds story. Um, and it's definitely its own thing. So I appreciate that too, of there's no mistaking, like there was an original idea here and they did, they did something unique. And um, when it comes to Elseworlds, that's kind of like, it's kind of all I ask for. Give me something different. Cause that's the point. Um, I'd linger somewhere like a B or B minus, I think overall with it. I don't know which of those, not that I ever give letter grades really, but I think that's kind of where I stand with it. Not the uh, not the last time I'll read it. Maybe after probably, I, after I watch those movies, I'll come back to it. <laughs> I would probably give it a B minus as well. Look at us, simpatico. Uh, Rinam, it's been a lovely conversation with you. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, I hope this won't be the last time you ever come back on the show. Is there any? thing at all that you uh want to plug or are you a man of mystery like austin powers <laughs> uh right now there's nothing that i want to plug but i might okay. have something next time uh only time will tell Ooh, but, okay uh, what I'm a tease i'm working on some stuff um okay. uh that i will probably mention uh, on the air at some point 
cool. though to be honest uh, it might have a li very limited appeal um to your listeners because i'm obviously working on this in my first language so uh maybe if you have some listeners in france or in quebec where i live uh this might be something they might they they might be into but uh, oh. for the moment uh, i thought yeah. i thought your native language is uh the navi you know yes, from pandora navi, yes yeah. okay okay or a lot of a lot you... of us understand that <laughs> yes or if you uh if you believe uh mr peter vera um that son I'm, of a bitch at this point yeah at this point i'm a character on straight out of gotham <laughs> uh, he does a pretty terrible impression of me and i kind of sound like a uh hungarian vampire it makes <laughs> but uh, it's also yeah, involved my... in the mob a russian mob yes obviously <laughs> obviously. obviously yes and right uh, yeah, so my first language is French. It's not Hungarian or Russian or whatever. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, goodness. And he, just, he decides to give me on any given day. Oh, there you go. Um, thanks for all of that, Peter. Um, there you go. So yeah, um, someday again, Reno will be back on here. Uh, as for the Batman book club, you can follow on X and Instagram at the Batman BC for latest episode drops, upcoming episodes, and sometimes some giveaways. Make sure you subscribe to the Batman book club YouTube channel. Cause Peter and I, it's our mission this year, 2024. We're getting on to no man's land. It's happening. It's happening. We're going to do it. Um, if you want to support the show, there's a variety of ways you can do that. Like I said at the top, patreon.com slash the Batman BC. Go to tpublic.com and type in TBBC for the Batman Book Club. And if you want to support the show, but you don't want to spend any money, money at all, that's 100% A-OK. -okay. The cheapest, easiest, and quickest thing and most impactful thing that you can do is rate and review the show. So wherever you listen to it, a podcast-wise, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Google Play, any of those, just go to the rate and review page and just really quick rate and review the show. Because the more reviews the show gets, the more it helps spread the word. And as we all know, that word is panic. So for Reno, I am Brian Lauer. And until next time, read more Batman comics. Hey!